I preach to myself all the time that His plans are perfect and nothing can thwart them. But His ways are and His thoughts are higher than mine. I can look back at so many seasons and know that that's true, that God has been faithful. It's not my job to figure everything out. It's not my job to solve it or fix it or research or plan. My job is just to trust the one who already knows. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast host. We have a treat today. We are bringing you a story from our brand new executive director. Well, she's not brand new. She's about, what, six months old? <laughs> but it's the best. We are going to bring you Brecca Power's story, and we're so excited. You know, Brecca actually shared at our yearly community retreat back in August. And her story, you know, while it is about infertility and adoption, what it is mainly about is letting go of your plans and trusting that God's plans are good and that they are better. There are so many things that we loved about her story Mm -hmm. that we could talk on and on and on about it. So after our brief discussion at the end of her story, we will have a continue the conversation over on Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon member, it's a great time to join today. You not only get that, but you get all of our Patreon episodes that we have aired over the past couple of years. So if you want to join, just click on the show notes today and it'll take you there. Before Brecca's story, we do want to remind you, if you have not visited our shop on the website and checked out our brand new Storytellers Live ministry merch, you are missing out. Let me tell you something. These sweatshirts, we've got a cute little cropped hoodie. We've got t-shirts and they are so fresh and current and everybody in my house loves them. Christmas is right around the corner. If you walk in Hobby Lobby, it is just doused with red and green. And it has been since August, I think. So go to our shop. You can, we've got a link in our show notes. And go ahead and get a jump on stocking stuffers. We've got scripture cards that are great stocking stuffers. And go ahead and order some stuff. It supports the ministry, and you will love it. Here's Brecca. But I really am very happy to be here and sharing just what the Lord has done and the ways that He has been so faithful and so kind to me. So um, to start, I'll tell you all a little background. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a small town in central Alabama. I'm the only child of wonderful Christian parents, and I had a happy childhood, picturesque in a small town in the country, and um, I do not recall a day that I didn't know about Jesus. I graduated from high school in my tiny town and came here to Birmingham and went to Sanford University, and those were four wonderful, sweet, sweet years. I met some wonderful friends who are still my friends today, and I just loved college. After college, I went to work right next door. If y'all live in Birmingham, I went to work at Southern Progress right next door to Sanford, and um, it was there through a mutual friend that I was introduced to my husband, and we fell in love, and we got married, and the first few years of our marriage were just easy and fun, and like there's just not a lot to say about those early years. And But what I do need to tell you is that my relationship with the Lord at this time was pretty stagnant um, throughout until that time in my life was very stagnant. Um, I trusted in Him, but I did not trust Him. I didn't know him. I wasn't growing in my faith. I was really just checking boxes. Something else you should know about me um, is that I am very much a rule follower. I'm very type A, perfectionist. I am a one on the Enneagram. I don't know if anybody can relate. (laughs) So if you give me a list of rules or boundaries or expectations, like I will follow them. 
I like things to be black and white. I like things to be clear and concise and efficient. And I had fit my relationship with the Lord into that same structure. I follow all the rules, read the Bible, pray sometimes, go to church. If you sin, ask for forgiveness. And I was really just checking the boxes that I thought were the Christian walk. So you can imagine with that personality how I would react to something that might be unplanned or unexpected or completely out of my control. Well, a few years into our marriage, we found out that we were pregnant with our oldest child, Adair, and this was a huge surprise. We, it wasn't an unwelcome surprise, but it was a huge surprise. I wasn't not excited, but it threw me for a major loop. We had just recently started talking about starting a family, and I was already pregnant. I actually found out that I was pregnant at my annual doctor's appointment. It just was not my timing. It wasn't my plan. I felt inadequate. I felt ill-equipped. I felt unprepared. But it was God's plan, um, and that's what he had for us. And so a few months after Adair was born, we really began to seek out a new church. And I know now that God really led us to a new church. But at the time, it was more circumstantial and situational that we started to look for a new church. But it was at this church that I... The church was a huge instrument of growth in my life, and it was there that I first learned about the Jesus Storybook Bible. I imagine you have all read it to your children, and now it's been around for a long time, but at the time, it was probably a year or two old, and that reading that Bible to my daughter, just the Lord just really began to speak to me, and He revived my heart through reading that Bible. He started to show me that He is full of grace. His love for me is a free gift that it's not attached to what I do or what I don't do, not attached to how many boxes I've checked or left unchecked. And in that season, the gospel really started to take root in my heart. I started to learn that the Bible isn't a book of rules and walking with Jesus is not black and white. It's not A plus B equals C, which is a really hard concept for a box checking Christian. I mean, that was just a really hard concept for me to grasp, but I just began to learn that walking with Jesus was about a relationship with him. It was about knowing him. He started to show me that he didn't wait until I had it all together or until I had done enough or obeyed enough or followed all the rules enough to rescue me. This was a huge turning point in my faith. Um, God drew me to himself so much in that season, and he would continue to draw me over the years. Um, And truly, he was laying a firm foundation in my heart that he knew I would need in the years ahead. When Adair was about 18 months old, we began to hope for another baby, and I had had no trouble getting pregnant with her. I mean, I just told y'all that was such a big surprise, but months and months went by, and I was not pregnant. I was so frustrated. I mean, my plans were not coming to fruition. Uh, My expectations for what my life was going to look like were not being met. After five rounds of Clomid, I still wasn't pregnant, and my doctor sent me to a fertility specialist. Fertility specialist discovered that I had a large cyst on one of my ovaries, Um, She prescribed a month of birth control pills to try to shrink the cyst, and at the end of that cycle, the cyst was gone. So, of course, I was thrilled, and I was thankful, and I was hopeful for what was to come. But that was very short-lived because before trying any new interventions, um, I had to go through a natural cycle to see how my body would respond without the medication. And so I was really disappointed by that. That didn't fit my timeline. And at the end of that cycle, I had developed multiple cysts which meant we still couldn't proceed with treatment or anything. And I really, at that to that point, had not shed a tear or really been super upset about my secondary infertility, but I lost it that day. I was trusting God, and I was taking it day by day, 
And I really was thankful for each glimmer of hope that came my way. But that day, it was just different. It felt like a roadblock. And eventually, I would come to see the roadblock more as a turning point. And I want to pause right here to say, like, I'm breezing through that part of the story because today I know what the end of the story is. But in those months, it was so hard. And like the hoping and trying for a baby was incredibly hard. I mean, some of you can probably relate or know people who have walked that same road. And I just felt broken. I felt discouraged. I felt hopeless and desperate. And it was really hard. But God and in his infinite mercy and grace, he met me there every time in the darkness of that season. He was right there. I have a mentor that always says that God's gifts sometimes come wrapped in black packages, wrapped with black ribbons and black tissue paper. And as we peel back the layers of that package, we find a beautiful gift inside. But we don't want to accept the gift because it's wrapped in black paper. And secondary infertility was that for me. It was more the, than just the unmet expectations. It was really the death of my plans. And it was a black package. And in the middle of it, I could not see um, the beautiful gift that was waiting for me inside of that package. But God was so kind to bring to mind the goodness, his goodness, um, to remind me of who he is, that his plans are perfect, that he is sovereign, and that nothing um, can, comes to me that hasn't first been sifted by his hands. And I desperately wanted to be in God's will. I wanted to be in his will much more than I wanted to be in my own will. And as I really started to release my plans and open my hands to what the Lord had, I started to trust that his plan was good and it was right and it was perfect. And when I started to pay attention, I noticed that God was really taking me in a different direction. So after that news that day, I started to pray that God would lead us where he wanted us to go, that he would fulfill his purposes in our lives. And I had always had a heart for adoption. It was always part of my plan, but my plan was we would have three kids and then we would adopt the youngest kid. And God just had a different plan. Um, so as I began to release my plan and really started to open my, open my hands and receive from him um, what he wanted to give, I really started to just say to him, like, Lord, I'm willing. Take me where you want me to go. So we discontinued all fertility treatments, and we started to explore the world of adoption and eventually began the process to bring our daughter home from China. Once we committed to adoption, it became really hard not to dive into future planning and all of my plans, imagining what kind of big sister Adair was going to be or what we might name our daughter or uh, what her room might look like, or just imagining introducing her to friends and taking her to church. And God would so kindly again and again remind me that he was in control and that no matter how long the road was or what roadblocks we might encounter, that his timing would be good and perfect. It was really like he was whispering to my heart, come to me, abide in me, release your way and your fear and your failure and your worry, your hopes and your plans to me. I will hold you. I will show you the way. Wait patiently for me. I will strengthen you. You will see my goodness if you abide. And I knew that it would be precarious, and I knew that it would feel uncertain. I knew that I knew myself, and I knew that I would be tempted to run ahead of God and try to make things happen on my own. But I was holding fast to those promises that God was giving me. And there were a lot of verses that I held on to and really preached truth to myself during this time. And one is Psalm, in Psalm 32, where the Lord is just promising to instruct me and to teach me and to show me the way to go and to guide me and to counsel me and promises to keep his loving eye on me. It was really like he was saying, I will show you the next step and the one after that and the one after that. 
come into my presence and relax, let go, enjoy the journey. And just saying, like, trust me to open up the way before you. You don't have to figure it all out. And his promise was goodness, and his command was to abide. He never told, he never commanded me to prepare or to plan just to come and abide. So we began to fill out an endless amount of paperwork. If any of you have adopted, you know that there's stacks and stacks of paperwork and tons of books that you read. And we got fingerprinted and we got passports and um, had visits with our social worker and did all of the things. And I'll remind you that at this point, my plan has become adopting, adopting from China. I'm on board and I'm doing what I need to do to make it happen. And then out of the blue, we receive a call from a friend um, who's living out of town. And she works with an organization who helps to place birth mothers and and adoptive families together. Um, And this organization at the time was short on waiting families. And she knew that we were starting the adoption process and wondered if we would be interested in showing her showing our file to a birth mother. And after praying through it, we knew the Lord was saying, trust me and walk through this door. And even though it did not make sense and it didn't fit our plan, because we really felt like our plan was call was to China, um, we were obedient and we said yes. And this was a huge curveball. And the only thing I could do with it was take it to the Lord. I was really learning to let go of my plans, and I was preaching to myself that his plans and his timing were perfect, even when they didn't make sense. And this definitely didn't make sense. It didn't fit the plan. That yes set off a firestorm of circumstances, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to share all of those details. But we rearranged our schedules, and we headed out the door the very next morning at 4 a.m., trusting that God was calling us there and asking him just to use us in any way that he saw fit. So we prayed all the way to Mobile. We prayed for God to be faithful, and we prayed for his will. And we prayed that he would use us to minister to this birth mom, um, regardless of the outcome of the adoption. Within hours, um, we met this precious birth mom. We learned a lot about her and the very, very, very hard circumstances and things that she had walked through. We accompanied her to a doctor's appointment where she learned that she was going to have a baby that day. And literally overnight, we were plunged into an opportunity to love someone that we did not know um, with strength that truly only the Lord could give. Um, And we continued to say yes to God until he closed the door. And in the end, she decided to keep her baby. um, And it was really hard. It was hard to walk through the joys and the sorrows of that 36 hours. But I can honestly say that we never regretted saying yes. All of our yeses to her were ultimately yeses to God, um, and he so very kindly just met us in the midst of all of that. But that was another black package. Inside was a beautiful gift from the Lord. It was, um, but it wasn't what we planned or what we expected or even hoped for. But God's plan, it was God's plan, and his plan is always better. It's really hard to describe the peace that we had in that those weeks and months following that experience. Um, but it, in the midst of the sorrow and the disappointment and the frustration, the peace was really palpable. God did use that detour to further confirm that China was his plan. So we returned home and we continued to pursue China. Um, we waited through more paperwork and more reading and learning, all the things that you have to do to adopt a child from China. And The other thing about China, and maybe other countries too, um, is there's certain qualifications you have to meet. So you have to do all of these things, but then you also have to have a certain income level, and you have to uh, have been married a certain amount of time. And in China, you have to be 
at least 30 years old. And my 30th birthday was coming up. And we were we could not be officially matched or even waiting to be matched until I turned 30. My husband was already 30. Um, and I really can say I've never looked so forward to a birthday in my life. I mean, most people don't look forward to turning 30, but the a couple of days before my birthday, we were having friends over for dinner. And uh, my husband really likes to make offhanded, like stupid jokes. And sometimes I think they're funny. Most of the time I don't. But this day we're having friends over for dinner and he keeps making these offhanded comments about what if we got pregnant during this process and I could not get the thought out of my head I immediately remembered a couple of bouts of nausea the week before and I started counting days and I was like I have to take a pregnancy test to like just get it off my mind I never thought it would be positive but you've probably already guessed that it was so mind you at this point my plan is adoption and yet again God has a different plan When I told Hank, he sat down on the floor, was utterly speechless. I mean, literally just looked at each other and both burst out laughing. It felt amazing and crazy and terrifying and completely and totally out of our control. Because it was, right? I mean, it was completely out of our control. Obviously, an amazing blessing and something to really celebrate. Um, And it was a definitely a joy-filled moment, but it was also a little black package because I knew that our daughter was out there. I really felt sure about that, but I also knew that adoption agencies often will not let you adopt if you're pregnant. It was, it's very unusual for them to, for that to happen. Usually you have to wait until your child is at least, your youngest is at least a year old before you can start the adoption process. So I knew all of these things, and there were a lot of unknowns and a whole lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty, but I did feel certain that our daughter was out there, and I was terrified that we wouldn't be able to bring her home anytime soon. My plan at that point became have a baby and adopt all at the same time, and I desperately wanted to do both. I didn't want to give up our daughter in China. So the next few days were a roller coaster of emotions. A few days after learning I was pregnant, we did meet with our social worker, And we knew going in that there was a strong possibility that they were going to ask us to put the adoption on hold. And that's what they asked us to do. They brought up a lot of valid points for us to think about. Um, But we made our case and we pled with them to let us continue. (laughs) And in the end, they asked us to pray. And we took a week to pray and they agreed to also pray. And we did. We prayed and we asked the Lord and we confessed to him that we what we wanted to be true in our family. But we wanted to know what his plan was and what he, he was leading us to do. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, we never wavered on if we wanted to continue or not. But it was so hard to wait because we didn't know what the, I mean, the adoption agency had to approve that for us to continue. At the end of that week, our social worker called and she said, are you sitting down? And I was like, I can be. So I sat down on the end of my bed and um, she proceeded to tell me a lot of good news. She said, we're going to let you proceed, and I have a file for you to look at. And within minutes, we were looking at the face of our daughter, Emmeline. I said I wasn't going to cry. And she was God's plan. Um, It was a very surreal moment, and I vividly remember sitting on the end of my bed and just looking at her little face and just knowing that, like, she was our daughter. Once we were matched with her, the race was on to bring her home before the baby came. And my doctor had said, this was an August, that all happened in August, Um, And my doctor had said, I want you to be home by the end of February or you do not need to go. And all of a sudden, we're on this super tight deadline. And y'all probably can guess that China doesn't really do deadlines. Like, that's not a thing. (laughs) But it was my plan had become go to China. Like, I wanted to be in China and I wanted to be the first one to hold her. And I I did not want to give up that time that I had already missed with her by not being there. 
And God's plan did include me going to China. He was really moving mountains for, to get me there before we even knew that we were adopt- We were matched with her. We should really not have received a file when we did. Based on the timing that our paperwork was sent to China, um, it was a miracle that we received a file in August. It should have been a month or two before we received a file. But if we had not been matched in August, we would have waited at least another month for a file. But God had a plan. Of course, he had a plan. After we were matched, we began to work our way through more paperwork and more waiting. um, And eventually, we turned the page to February. And my travel deadline is impending at this point. And we're still waiting on the last few approvals before we can travel. But God was already moving. um, And typically, those approvals take weeks, if not months, to get Robin can attest. And... We received our approvals in two days. So Emmeline was in our arms on February 19th, and we came home from China on February 29th. It was leap year. And so not only did God move mountains to get me to China, but he also added a day to the calendar. (laughs) It was always his plan, and therefore he he was already at work making it happen. I was 31 weeks pregnant when we went to China, 33 weeks when we came home from China, and many of you probably know at the thir- in the third trimester, like you're big and you're uncomfortable and you're miserable at that point. But I was never uncomfortable. And I was never fearful of having a baby in China. Although I did find out when we got home that our social worker had a midwife on standby in China just <laughs> in case. Um, and we did get some funny looks in China. It was an interesting um, experience to walk around very pregnant with a newly adopted toddler and a three-year-old in tow. But Myla Grant, our middle child, was born six weeks after we came home from China, and Emmeline was at that point thrust into the role of big sister. And those first 12 to 18 months of having a newly adopted toddler and a newborn baby and a three-year-old were really, really, really hard. They're very much a blur in my memory, um, y'all can imagine. And Emmeline turned two not long after Myla Grant was born. but So they were different ages, but they still needed so much attention and love and care and love and cuddles. And um, it was really hard. But God was so present. He was so faithful to give me energy and strength and patience. And there's no way that I could have survived that season without the strength that he gave. He equipped me because he had called me um, and they were always his plan. Today, the girls are 15, 13, and 11. um, And I am still to this day in awe of God's goodness and his timing. When I think back to those circumstances in that season, I really can't help but see every detail um, of God's hand. But that's not the end of the story. When Myla Grant was about 16 months old, God gave us another big surprise pregnancy. Um, And I think at this point, you know that when I say surprise, it really is just that God had a plan that was different from my plan. We were excited and we were thankful, but we were also completely overwhelmed at the thought if I'm honest, I have all, I did always want four children. I mean, that y'all heard me say that in the beginning. That was my plan, four children. Um, but the timing felt crazy. Our hands were very full with the girls, and we probably had just started sleeping again. We weren't planning to have a baby, but that was God's plan. Um, Gibson was born, and adding a little boy to our family was such a sweet gift from the Lord. Was I tired? Yes, I was very tired. Um, was I overwhelmed? Yes, I was definitely overwhelmed. But I was also really thankful. So here I am, loving our family of six, um, had never considered having five children. And then when Gibson was about 16 months old, we were pregnant again. (laughs) 
it's not a surprise anymore. And I really wondered if I could do it. I wondered if I was equipped to raise five children. I mean, I told y'all at the beginning, I'm an only child. So I wondered what it was going to be like, and I wondered what God was up to. I worried that there wouldn't be enough love to go around. Um, And I worried about bedrooms and college funds and all of those things, too. But it was God's plan, and we stepped bravely into the unknown. And honestly, I think having walked through the really hard 12 to 18 months with Emmeline and Myla Grant when they were first home, I just trusted God that he was going to give me the strength. Um, So we laughed and we celebrated the gift of another baby. And today, Gibson is nine and Cortland is seven. And they are both beautiful surprises from the Lord. Um, God's plans are so much better And never in a million years can I imagine my life without either of them. Hank and I always laugh and say that Emmeline is really the only child we quote-unquote planned. But the truth is that God planned them all, and His plans are so much greater than anything that I could ever dream up or imagine. And I guess after listening to this story, you probably would say that I'm a slow learner. But God's plans are always better. Again, again, I still to this day try to take back the control. And He gently shows me that I'm not in control And he really does write the best stories. Today, life is really full, as you can imagine, raising five kids. It's not easy. That saying that the days are long and the years are short is so incredibly true. One minute, I find myself not being able to wait for them to pass through some annoying phase that they're in. And the next, I'm grieving that a season has passed and how quickly they're growing up. Life with five kids brings five different personalities, uh, five different sets of needs, five different requests for dinner or what's coming home from the grocery store, a million appointments, uh, tons of paperwork for all the things. I feel like I've been buried under paperwork from teachers in the last two weeks. I'm sure y'all can relate. But God is so good um, and his plans are so perfect and his love is endless And I still don't get it. I told y'all, God is still teaching me the same lessons. Um, He's still teaching me that his plans versus my plans, his are better. And that is the primary way I would say that he sanctifies me, calls me back to himself again and again. And slowly but surely, I think I'm starting to learn. I preach to myself all the time that his plans are perfect and nothing can thwart them, that his ways and his thoughts are higher than mine. Um, I can look back at so many seasons and know that that's true, that God has been faithful. Um, It's not my job to figure everything out. Um, It's not my job to solve it or fix it or research or plan. Um, My job is just to trust the one who already knows, the one whose plans are to prosper and not to harm, the one who loves me and my people more than I do. My job is to look to him, to rest in him, and to abide in him. When I look at the circumstances that are all around me, um, when I'm drowning in the day-to-day responsibilities of running a household of five kids or seven people and two animals, I can easily become very fearful and very overwhelmed. Um, It's a lot, and I can easily become completely bogged down by what I think I should be doing or worrying that I'm not doing enough or worrying about everything that moms worry about. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus— And when I remember what's true of him, that his grace is sufficient, that he is my strength, that he guards all that is mine. Um, When I remember that those promises include my children, I'm filled with hope and joy and rest. Um, But I have learned that I cannot bring my heart to a place of rest on my own, but I can come to a place of rest. I can come to Jesus. It's him who guides me. He renews my strength and he will never leave me or forsake me. 
And for all the times that I seem to forget, because I forget a lot, when I turned 40, I got a reminder to myself tattooed on my arm. It's white and it's hardly visible because it's not a proclamation to the world. It's just a quiet reminder to myself um, that my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is my strength. He has been my strength day after day, month after month, year after year. Um, He is my God, and he's proven himself faithful time and time again. And he knows my future before anything comes to pass. He plans and he decides and he's in control. Um, And I can rest in that, and his plans are so much better. (laughs) We may not all have five kids. (laughs) Praise praise Jesus. (laughs) I do think that all of us can relate to this in some way or another. First of all, I want to get a white tattoo, and I didn't know she had it. <laughs> I know. So that was, that's been on my radar for about a year, and so that was very helpful. But also, there are so many areas of our lives where it's our way versus God's way. That title was perfect because we have plans, and God has plans, and those don't always line up. Mm-hmm. And she does such an amazing job of talking about when it's not her plan, how God's plan is Mm -hmm. always better, and she lays it out over and Mm -hmm. over. You know, when she mentioned this concept of a black box or a black gift wrapped package (laughs) that God sometimes gives to us, it reminded me of the verse from Matthew 7, 11, which talks about if we know how to give good gifts to our children, God surely knows how to give better gifts. You know, God does not give bad gifts. But, you know, one of the things that Brecca did do is after she shared her story, she was like, I want to be clear about the black package in that it's not always you're going to open up that box and, oh, there's your child that you've been praying for. Mm -hmm. The black package is honestly a gift from God in your spiritual walk, that He's Mm going to draw you closer to Him through it, that He's going to give you the good gift of, of whether that's endurance, patience, joy at the end of it. And I think oftentimes we see that black package and we're like, I don't don't want want to open that. But (laughs) once we go through it and we open it, we see the beautiful gift inside. And that's one of the things we're going to continue to talk about in our discussion over on Patreon. And we're each going to share the black packages that we've experienced in our faith walk in our own lives. I can't believe that Brecca was 33 weeks pregnant in China. (laughs) I don't know how she did that. I love her spirit. I love Brecca so much because we have polar opposite personalities. And so we bounce off each Uh other very well. And so hearing her tell this, when she talked about A plus B equals C, that's not Jesus. You know, Mm. Jesus, Jesus isn't math. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and knowing Brecca's personality because I'm married to a very strong one, it it just makes me giggle yeah. a little bit how precious the Lord is to to throw her some curveballs. It's and, like when someone tries to make me organized and structured. <laughs> you know, it's just it it just doesn't add up. The other thing is at the end she talked about the days are long but the years are short. I'm an empty nester now. I can't tell you the people I'll stop in the grocery store and tell them that. I mean, you know you're old if you're doing that, but but it's so true. But I mean, God's grace and sovereignty was was just all wrapped up in her story. 
Absolutely, that grace is wrapped up throughout every thread of her story. You know, going back to this idea of, you know, how she thought A plus B equals C, kind of thing with her relationship with God. I loved how she, you know, so- talked about how God taught her through the sweet, you know, telling her, reading the Bible's yes. story to her daughter. Childlike faith. Yes. And, and how God met her there, first of all. And then also, you know, just how God taught her this concept with the birth mother um, where yes. she drove to Mobile, that her yeses were not to the birth mother. Her yeses were to God. And to take that into my daily walk, that I'm not saying yes to people, Mm. I'm saying yes to God. I mean, that's that's a whole separate conversation right there that we can continue as well. Well, we might do that. Because (laughs) actually, I started and wrote that one down. I was like, how often do we complain or get irritated or or sad or heartbroken Mm -hmm. when our, in the circumstance, when our yes was to the Lord? Yeah. It was really really powerful statement. Well, we are really excited to continue the conversation over on Patreon. So we hope that you will hop over to Patreon. And if you're an insider, we are so thankful for you. If you're not, we would love for you to join us over there and have a great week. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.